time for episode i don't even know what is this jason 112 episodes into this thing wow how are you guy did you think we'd be going this long what do you mean 15 seconds into the podcast <laughs> no <laughs> like when we started off did i think we we're gonna do 112 episodes I, I no, not really but here we are over two years into this thing and it's starting to Crazy. take off which is great yeah. we had a- no it is it's great thank you to everybody out there listening and and all that for sure i mean uh been a lot of fun and, and it's really fun right now greg because there's you know everything's starting to ramp up we're starting to see you guys on bikes you know on instagram watching a lot of people ride i was over over the weekend i was at cvma i'll get into that with you in a little while as you know there was uh i mean i've never seen never seen a paddock that full at any club race i've ever been to ever i mean ever it was packed there. Um, well, hold, hold on, Jay. Let, let's go ahead and because I actually want to talk about that, and I didn't really yeah. put it in the rundown. So let's just go ahead and do this and say, look, today we're going to start you off with some news presented by Arai. Actually, we're going to start you off now with a little talk about Chuck Walla Valley Raceway and CVMA Race Weekend. Then we're going to start you off with some news by Arai into Supercross Indianapolis 1 and 2, Supercross Fantasy. And then we're going to have a chat with uh, championship-winning mechanic, rider, mom, Melissa Paris, about her new road race program from Royal Enfield. So stick around for that one. A preview of next week's races with the race calendar. And then um, before we get into all that, I, I just want to say a quick plug to our guest from last week, Steve English. Um, last week's podcast, Jason, very successful. So if you want to hear more from Steve and the guys that he talks with about World Superbike and MotoGP specifically, make sure you check out the Paddock Pass podcast. Uh, I'll put a link in the description of this podcast. So, Jay, let's talk about CVMA because I did see some stuff. I Did I see that David Anthony broke a track record, I think? David Anthony, yeah, he was out there. Um, all the American racing team were out there uh, on, the, on, the, on the weekend, which was good. I, you know, Cam was actually there. I think it's CM on Friday. But Sean Dylan Kelly came out. Uh, Richie Escalante is out there. Um, David Anthony was, was obviously there. Jason Uribe was also riding a Aussie Dave GSX-R 1000 Superbike. So those two guys really dominated the weekend in the sense that, you know, they ended up one, two in the shootout. Um, but there was a lot of interesting things that were going on, um, out there. And I didn't get a chance to, <clears throat> to reach out to SDK. Unfortunately, I get so buried out of those things. And, um, but he had a big accident. He had a pretty big crash, got himself up. Some people might've seen on social media that he put out a shout out just to thank everybody for, uh, further well wishes, but you know, that was Saturday. He was back on a bike Sunday. He also was riding a moto two bike out there on Sunday. So he wrote that, um, he wrote that in the shootout as well. So, um, is, I think is the GSXR 600 that he was riding from what I was hearing was uh, a lot more stock than it was. It wasn't like his race bike. Um, but it was just, just still good to see him getting seat time out there. Escalante was out there with his whole Honos crew on their ZX six. So they were, um, doing the laps as well. But I, I mean, the thing for me was, is like even the shootout grid, it, it had, it was stacked with people. Um, and it's a, it's a really fast field. A couple guys that, that need some mentioning too, are people like Nick Siling, who he was Aussie Dave's, basically he, he worked with Aussie Dave last year. Um, they're still obviously very close, but he dusted off his ZX-10 and was really fast on the weekend. So when you start looking at a series that you want to get better in, um, pretty good one because we get a lot of national caliber guys out there especially this time of year and there's word that there's even more coming next month so it's going to be good yeah this month i guess this month february oh february yeah because i was going to say next month yeah there's a real fast guy coming out next month in march let me tell you right now okay about this whole battle of the old stuff all right well first of all i want you to tell people what it is maybe they're listening to the podcast for the first time basically david cole my buddy he called out, he didn't really call Greg out, but he just, or you called him out rather. Sorry. I called him out on the podcast a yeah, little which, bit. I mean, which it was, was fairly which was stupid. Yeah. He doesn't really understand what a real call out is. Cause you didn't really, but you know, sensitive guy, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, I guess. <laughs> so uh, but he's reached a ceiling G dub. We know the number you got to do. You got to do 52s. I saw that he won a race. He won a race in the, Formula 40 middleweight, mm-hmm. and he finished second as well. Yeah. I think it was second Saturday and win. So, all right, I, I'm going to, I got to give. He's doing good. I, I Look, the guy, let's be fair, he's 51 years old. Doesn't look at, uh, almost sounded like a compliment, which it wasn't, but it, he doesn't look 51. <laughs> but, but, uh, but he, um, 
he, he rides really, really well, super consistent. Um, and, and, but you know, 52s are where he's at. I razzed, I razzed him so hard last night about it. So, um, but it, but honestly, he's the, the, the series itself, you're going to have somebody, there'll be somebody back there doing two Oh sixes that you'll be able to ride with. I promise. Wow. That that's an insult to people. No, we're no, talking that's to- not an insult to people. That's just the truth. There's so many people on the grid that you'll have somebody, hopefully you have somebody to race with. Hopefully they're not all out in front of you. I hope. So Battle of the Olds, we're planning on the end of March for, I think it's what, the... Last weekend of March or something. Last weekend of March, right before the CODA test for Moto America, uh, we're going to be, I'll be out at CVMA riding a motorcycle, racing. We're going to have some Ninja 400s, I think, that we're going to be racing as well. Kolb 600s. So that should be fun. Kolb Um, Kolb is like, we're doing 600 only. It's like, Dave, just relax. Oh. Oh. He just doesn't. It all, you know what I mean? He's like the kid that pushes all the chips over to his side. And then mm-hmm. if you want one or two, he might share with you later. Like he's legitimately that guy. So it's like, Dave, let's split the chips up. Let's give my guy G-Dub a little bit of a half a chance. You know, let's run across the track or I guess that wouldn't be really giving you a chance with it. But you know what I mean? I was actually told this weekend. Hey, I was told this weekend, man, you're. You're really rough on Greg, aren't you? Okay. <laughs> I was going to say, by the way, everybody, this is the way Jason treats his friends. <laughs> because Cole My- and and myself are friends with Jason, and this is the treatment we get. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, Whatever. it's it's 30, it's 30 years in the making. Listen, I don't really care. Beyond you, phone calls have been made, okay? Cole, Simon. You guys buddy, buddy. It's we're talking, we're chatting it. it up. We're seeing what's happening. Although Cole didn't say anything about not racing 400s. He's like, well, I have the experience on a 400. I'm like, Man, you should be able to throw a leg over anything. If you have Thank a good, you, solid G-Dub. foundation in riding, then you should Thank be able you, to throw G-Dub. a leg over anything. That's Kolb. what I'm saying. Kolb. Come on, man. Yeah, just grow up here, Kolb. Like, he just... And, you know, he's, he, he's you know, like a kung fu master. He knows all that crap, too. So he wants to always beat me up. But he knows that as long as he's on a racetrack and I'm on a racetrack, it kind of makes me a little bit untouchable. The day he decides not to ride anymore, I might be in a little bit of trouble. Uh, I see. So you know you're I mean? saying you're saying he's not kicking your ass because he still needs you for something. Well, yeah, because he knows if he's on a racetrack with me, I I have I have a little bit more ability to control that environment. You know what I mean? Yeah, dude, we're we're, we're not too far away from me going out to CVMA. It's probably like seven weeks now. So yeah, you need to be on a bike, but I can understand that you've been eating. You know, I before this podcast started, Greg proceeded to tell me how he's playing MotoGP and racing some guy somewhere in the world, and how he yeah. barely how he barely like lost at that too. And well, I only lost because that like the, the glaze from the Krispy Kreme donuts was wearing my right. fingers and I start, my hands got sweaty and the controller slipped. I know what's happening here though. GW you, you're on a, you're not telling anybody, but you're on a strong fitness regime right now. You're probably down to what? 235, 245. What are you down to? <laughs> uh, Let's do some awry news, big guy. So normally I read, but I'm just going to tell you this. Arise are my favorite helmets. They fit good. You, they got a big eye hole. You can see through them really well. The ventilation's fantastic. You can adjust them. Go to AriAmericas.com. Check out all the technology with the helmets, how they're made, how they're safe. They have some cool paint jobs coming out. So do that because we have a long podcast. So this is the news presented by Arai. Hey, did Josh Heron just sign with Arai? I think I just saw he signed he with did. Arai too, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah, he certainly did. And he did a really great post where he had a white helmet on without the Arai stickers on it and had people guess about the helmet. The oh, thing cool. is, is Arai is pretty distinct. I mean, actually, I think if you look at all the brands of helmets, you know, I, I don't know, maybe it's me, but I can really tell the difference right away, you know, like the different brands of helmet. But all right, Jay, we got a ton of news to talk about, and I want you obviously going to weigh in on all this stuff, but... First thing is going to be Moto America, okay? If you don't know, Moto America is the premier road race series in the U.S. has been around since 2015. And the news hit this morning, we're recording this Wednesday, well, afternoon, my time, morning, Jason's time, that MotoGP and World Superbike star Loris Baz will come race to Ducati V4R in the Moto America Hono Superbike Class Series this year. JP, what do you think? Now, the current name of the team, the current name, Warhorse HSBK Racing Ducati, New York. And it might get a little bit longer. I'm telling you, that's going to be a mouthful <laughs> for me. Now, I've already spoken with him, Jay. And uh, we're going to have more with him next week. 
But interviews are going to post on MotoAmerica.com probably today or tomorrow. Loris has experience. Like I said, World Superbike Jay's got two wins, tons of podiums, MotoGP. He's, you know, Euro Superstock 600 champ back in 2008. He just had a birthday, turned 28 years old, BSB. He's fast. What do you think about Loris Paz coming to Moto America? Well, for our series, it's fantastic. I mean, the fact that he is going to be over here, um, it gives us uh, a, even more identity, I think. You know, the only problem last year, the sad part of last year, um, the guy I think about when we see that Loris Bass gets hired is Lorenzo Zanetti because he came over and I thought did a, a really, really great job. Um, but a lot of people didn't know who, who Zanetti was. I mean, we knew him as a test rider and but unless you're following, you know, Italian Superbike and that kind of thing, you don't really know who Zanetti is. So when you look at this, the credibility of bringing a Loris Baz into our paddock now, um, and really the fact that he didn't get a ride in World Superbike is lost on me because he had a really solid year last year. Very, very fast um, uh, with the Tenkate team on the Yamaha, which is puzzling as well. I mean, there's all kinds of little storylines that we can go off on on this. But I really feel that World Superbike, their loss is our big gain. And I think with him on this bike, I mean, G-Dub, it's hard to it's hard to put your finger on things. And I know we'll talk about this coming into the season. Um, but you've got to figure that this, that this guy right now on paper is the guy to beat. Um, he's going to have a weapon underneath him with the Ducati. Uh, he's got a team that, that has already won a race last year with Zanetti and had multiple podiums. This guy knows how to win. Um, but I also think it shows, you know, kind of what a destination. People still want to race in America. I still think that riding in America is a is a thing that a lot of people want to do. I think Loris has raced in BSB. I remember him as a kid probably 10 years ago. What did you say, Greg? He's 28 now? 26? 28 now. He won the European Stock Championship in 2008. So he would have yeah. been what? 15 or 16 when he won that? Yeah, and I remember him in World Endurance, I would say in 2010, 11, somewhere in there. He, he actually, he rode a Kawasaki in World Endurance at that time because I remember seeing him on track and things. I remember how tall he was, but he was fast then. Obviously, he was very fast then as well. Um, so again, World Superbike's loss is our gain. Uh, it's going to be really fun. I know he's a pretty chill guy from what I've heard um, over there. I think I may have met him once, you know, like literally 10, 12 years ago. I, it, you'd have to ask him, you know, um, what year he raced World Endurance. But I remember seeing him anyways, just because of his, it reminded me a lot of Corey Alexander. That's what caught my attention because he's very, very tall. So, but I mean, Greg, I mean, don't you think that kind of makes him, I mean, no disrespect to anybody that we have here, obviously. But I mean, that bike with that guy on the bike who's proven last year that World Superbike, he's, you know, he was in the mix for a lot of race wins. He was on the podium last year. Um, he's going to be a tough guy to beat. The The thing about the Zanetti situation is if you kind of went back and listened to the podcast or even listened to the broadcast, what Bobby from HSBK had said from the beginning was that Zanetti was there uh, not as a you know, like a, like a test ride or anything else for the 2021 season. He was there to prove to Warhorse and the sponsors there of what it takes budget wise and hiring wise to run at the front of a Moto America race. It was kind of an experiment with him. It wasn't like if you do well, we're guaranteeing you this mm -hmm. ride. And I know a lot of people would like to see Zanetti in the series. I would love to see him. He's a really nice cat. And maybe maybe he would have had a chance, but there were riders on the market that that you know that this team looked at to put on that Ducati, and you know I mean obviously Tony Elias was one of the riders and Eddie was one of the riders, but when it came down to it, if you look at you know overall performance and resume and why not marketability, like you're saying, I think you were kind of alluding to it. Loris Baz is a bigger name than Lorenzo Zanetti at the moment, and right. so you have to take all those things into consideration, and a lot of that is going to be, what are the requirements of these sponsors looking at it? What, you know, does Ducati have any say-so in the matter? Maybe, a little bit. You know, Ducati tweeted out, like, right away. Ducati Corsa tweeted out right away, like, congratulations to Loris Baz, welcome back in the fold kind of a thing. And yeah. and so, you know, I know that people are disappointed, and I know that they they think that, that uh, Zanetti should have gotten the ride. And I'll tell you what, based off of his performance, what was it, Jay? Six podiums and eight tries and, and a win? I mean, it looked impressive. But... 
it is what it is. The team's made the decision. And, you know, Loris is really talented, really fast. And in the conversation that I had with him, which we'll get into more detail next week, he does have a lot of challenges, Jason, if you think about it. He's never raced with our guys. He hasn't been on Dunlop tires in 10 years. He hasn't been on the V4R before. He's been on a, a Ducati, obviously, right? He's got new tracks to learn and all this kind of stuff. And he is just like, dude, I'm good. I'm good. Like, I'm not afraid of anything. I'm, I'm happy to go out and do it. The team has a pretty solid plan. He's going to get some testing done. Uh, I think he's going to get a practice bike. You know, he's got to figure out where he's going to live. All this stuff happened really quickly for Loris Baz. So um, I did an interview with him that'll post up on MotoAmerica.com soon. I think today or tomorrow. And uh, you'll kind of hear in there. He's just like, I'm like, so, you know, behind the scenes, Jay, I was like, so where are you going to live? I don't know. What's your Moto America number? I don't know. Like, when are you coming to test? He's like, I'm not exactly sure. How are you getting to the United States? I don't know. So it really happened quickly. But um, yeah. he's excited about it. And he said the biggest thing for him was, and Jay, I think you kind of know this being at the, at the level that, that you raced at, is his whole focus with his management with his manager and everything was world superbike. Like, how do we get this world superbike ride? How do we make this happen? And literally overnight, an email was sent or a message on Instagram or whatever saying, are you available? And his whole mindset had to switch, like turn on a dime and start thinking about the U S and Moto America. So, well, it would be, it'd be amazing if we had a guy come over here on, on a Ducati and do well and then, and get catapulted to a world superbike ride. I mean, it would just give us more identity again, Listen, when you talk to me about the things that he's concerned about, new tracks, that's not a concern to him. He's nope. going to pick up a new track in an hour. It's not a big deal. The bike, that's not a concern to him. He knows how good the Ducati is, and he'll be he'll be more amped to ride that bike than anything else. And I have to say, it's probably one of the biggest reasons why he's doing this. I mean, the fact that he knows that he's going to be kind of a Ducati rider here in America and be the main guy, so that's no concern to him. He doesn't care about what his number is. He doesn't care about the tires either. The tires, you know how long it's going to take him to get used to those? None. He's been on Pirelli's and World Superbike, but when you're at the level that he's at, and I've said it many, many times, all that stuff, it you can't change the tires. You can't change the bike he's on. I, all those things right now are set. So he's just going to get on with it. Where he's going to live, what a great problem to have. Where am I going to go to America and set myself down for the year? Uh, does he do it back east near his team? Does he, um, or wherever they're going to be operating out of? The thing is, is that is that a lot of the concerns are more exciting than they are detrimental. Um, obviously, with the travel, the traveling here in America is is you know fairly easy. Going back and forth to Europe is probably a little bit more difficult. Um, but you know, when you're in the seat that he's sitting in now, um, when Tenkate couldn't really make up their decision on what they were going to do, I hear they're going World Super Sport. They were looking for a big sponsor. They couldn't keep this guy around waiting for any longer. So this is the obvious obvious choice for him. The only the only sad part to the whole story for me is that we don't have a world superbike round here in America. Because mm-hmm. if we did, maybe he'd be going and wild carding that, um, which would be kind of fun to, to see. Um, but the other thing I was going to add on this is that last week we basically had discussed the fact that People are going to be chasing a ghost this year in Superbike. They're going to be chasing the times that Cameron Bobier laid down and set out last year uh, before he went to Moto2. And now we've got a guy who's coming from a world championship, who is a world championship level rider. Um, he's over here now, and it's going to be interesting to see how close he gets and what tracks he can, you know, he can break Cam's record if he can at all. Yep. And... I asked him about that, and you'll get the answer to that next week. On January 27th, a press release came out about Rocco Landers, the teenager who's already amassed 38 wins, 45 podiums, and two Junior Cup championships since turning the ripe old age of 14. He's going to step up into the Supersport class under his own canopy, Landers Racing. His dad, who's a former racer, Stoney Landers, will manage things. Rocco is going to be on a Yamaha R6. They'll still run a Ninja 400 Junior Cup with New Hampshire's Ben Glotti at the controls. What do you think about the Rocco jumping up to uh, Super Sport? Well, I think it's great. I think, um, it, you know, it's, it looks like it's going to be um, kind of a family-run effort. You know, they want to jump on the R6. Saw him on um, an R6 last month. Melissa Paris came out, brought Josh's R6 out. He was very fast, as you would expect. I think he was in the mid to high 46s. 
at uh, at Chuck Wallace, so which is obviously very fast. It was really odd not seeing him there this weekend. I can't remember the last race weekend I saw where I didn't see Rocco out there riding, but they're either putting their program together. Um, I know in the past as well, uh, I think that when a team does this, especially a family-ran team, funding is obviously going to be a big thing. So um, I, I know they're probably out actively reaching out to people and trying to find some sponsorship. This is a kid that you really do. We, we really want to, we need in the series. So to see the fact that they want to jump up to super sport, they want to be on a 600. He's going to be competitive. Um, he's going to have a lot to learn again. Um, but he's more than adaptable. If you follow Rocco online, he's legitimately on a bike every day, every day. He's go-kart track, motocross track, dirt track. Um, he's, he's always active. So, um, you know, again, this is going to be a thing where, if the funding is there and he's capable of putting a good machine under him, he's going to be a guy that's going to be able to, to go, uh, to, to run up front this year. So I was happy to see the same thing as you were, G-Dub. Pumped to see Rocco in Supersport. Kentucky Road Race star and all-around Super Dude Jake Lewis returns to Moto America after a year away. He'll compete in the Stock 1000 class on a GSX-R1000 for Altus Motorsports. He'll also be competing in the Superbike Cup, which is, if you don't know, a race within the Superbike class that sees racers with stock thousand spec machines earn points and purse money. It'll be great to have Jake Lewis back in the paddock. What do you think? Yeah, no, it's nice. Good to see Jake back. He's another guy that's been on, been riding a lot of, uh, been, been uh, riding a lot of uh, motocross bikes, obviously back in, uh, back in Kentucky. And we've been keeping you kind of approved of that of, uh, you know, on, on here. So I, I'm, I'm sure he's going to be happy to get back on a road race bike uh, for a full season. What did we see him? Did we see him twice last year or once? I know we saw him at what uh, we saw him once on the HSBK. We saw him Celtic once on the BMW bike. at Road America, didn't we? And oh, then that's we saw right. Him we at did Pittsburgh too. Yep, yep, twice. Yep. So he dipped his toes back in last year. Kind of a kind of a tough way to come back into it. Uh, just kind of getting the phone call the week of and and being ready. So this will give him this will give him a lot more motivation, knowing that he'll be around for the season on a bike last year that won the championship. So, you know, Camp Peterson made that bike um, look pretty spectacular last year. So yeah, hopefully yeah. they can come in and do the same thing. Also, Moto America Live Plus app is on sale. You can get all kinds of great stuff with the app, like practices and qualifyings and races going on live. Uh, you also have video on demand. MotoAmerica.com is where you need to go. Also, Laguna Seca tickets, Laguna Seca tickets are on sale to same place, MotoAmerica.com. In keeping with the Moto America theme, we move to some TV stuff. Jason, Mav TV is where the Supersport series airs live. So you could see Rocco Landers in Supersport either on Mav TV Live or on the app. But they're also going to include Junior Cup races in an all new block of programming called After School Next Gen Racing that begins February 3rd from 4 to 5 p.m. East. Also, Mav TV is going to be showing older Moto America Superbike races. So that's pretty cool yep. that Mav TV has recognized the good quality programming of Moto America and they want to include more, especially this little after school next gen racing thing they have going on for kids. Pretty yeah, innovative. Yeah, it's going to be great. And it's funny because I I kind of caught myself watching Mav TV more now than I did, you know, prior. Um, I watched, uh, they had some reruns of the, the, Chili Bowl in Tulsa, Oklahoma, that they run every year, um, midgets, and it's it's a it's an interesting race. Great, you should watch it. They, but I had some friends that used to race it, so I caught it this weekend and was watching reruns of old old races that they had. So uh, yeah, Map TV is kind of a cool station. Just if you if you're if you're a motorhead and like to watch a bunch of racing. Yeah, I mean, of course, we're still going to be on Fox Sports, and it'll be a mix between Fox Sports One and Fox Sports Two, which will be the Superbike Class, the uh, sportbiketrackgear.com junior cup series it's gonna take me a while to get used to that and um, we had this discussion the other day real quick because somebody even questioned me i get questioned on about our podcast all the time about little things you and i say like people think that we really hate each other because we razz on each other so much yeah but but um and we do um <laughs> really really yeah, do no yeah, but no but the one thing is is that is that and even steve english we talked about this a little bit last year i mean in america we're so programmed to as riders getting our sponsor names in there, right? Like that is kind of the same thing because somebody was talking about you discussing how long 
the fresh and lean Yamaha attack performance, whatever it is, team is you know, <laughs> close enough. Long. Yeah, I let you do all that. I don't do. I am not messing with that anymore. I already had my take of it, so I let you do that. And and I said, you know, it's it's not something that's absolutely nobody comes up to to me or I don't or in regards to you. I mean, this is something that that we've been kind of programmed to do. Talk about the sponsors of teams and stuff. Because if you listen to you know, Steve English and some of those guys that even commentate about stuff overseas, um, you know, they're not mentioning the team's names as much as we do over here. That's why I think it's funny when you have to say these long, long names or even the name of the series. Um, it's funny that you have to get used to all that stuff. Well, there are, you know, the, the, the bottom line is, is that everybody works for someone and there are contracts signed with sponsors and there are obligations that I'm, you know, responsible for. And then there are things that aren't written down, but that help the series. And in yep. the United States, the culture is more mentions, the better. You know what I mean? And there's there are companies out there that do watch these races. They do track these races. They they create a number that's generated in terms of value. And that number gets sent to teams or whatever, or the people that pay for it. Yep. And that's how they get sponsorships. So yep. it's... I don't want to do it every time, especially with, you know, a name like Fresh and Lean Attack Performance, Yamaha Racing, but it's, it is important that we get that done. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's just one of those things and wait till you hear the team that Loris Baz is going to, is racing for. I mean, we already know some of the name, but there's going to be more stuff added to that name in the next like month or so. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's hilarious. I mean, (laughs) me, me personally, I would rather see a cap on a name. But if you look at Supercross and everything else, I mean, it's kind of the same way when you chuck in three or four or five sponsors into a name, it gets a little bit difficult and a little bit cumbersome, but it's important in the United States and it's just not important over in Europe. They just have different requirements. They look at marketing in a different way. And and that's really the bottom line. Now, speaking of European television, Jason, if here in the United States, if you're curious about MotoGP and world Superbike TV coverage, well, We've known for months that NBC SN is going to go away sometime in 2021. I think it's more towards the end. But the news finally leaked out last week about NBC SN going away. Now, I am told that both series will stay in the NBC family of networks. As we get closer to the race schedule, uh, we'll let you know what's available. But basically, what I can tell you is that um, NBC SN's programming, when they do dissolve it, it'll get spread out between USA Network and a pay service Peacock Network which like, you know, Supercross last night was on. But for now, everything stays on NBCSN. We'll keep you in the know as it becomes available. So it's really difficult to kind of really explain what TV is. But if you think about NBCSN, it's a great network, but it has a lot of overhead. NBC has a lot of properties. They're trying to reduce costs because more people are cutting the cord, you know, not getting cable, getting more a la carte services where they stream and everything else. So it's just a, it's a, it's a shifting world that we live in, in the television world. Yep. Um, and JP, some news about the Daytona 200 coming up March 13th. After looking at updates to the entry list, Dave Schwartz from roadracingworld.com noted that famed international road racer, Michael Dunlop will be aboard a Kawasaki ZX6R for this one. The 31... 31- 31-year-old comes to Daytona with 19 race wins at the Isle of Man TT. He races against the likes of 2019 winner Kyle Wyman, Josh Heron, Josh Hayes, Brandon Posh, David Anthony, Tyler O'Hara, Jason DeSalvo, and many others. We'll give you a closer look at the Daytona 200 in an upcoming episode. But what do you think about Michael Dunlop coming over? Well, I think he's going to get smoked. <laughs> I think it's he a is. different. It, Daytona is different. Yeah, it's different. different. It's listen. I've been on the track with him. Uh, been on the racetrack with him before, and um, the Isle of Man is just a special place. I've been on the. I've been on the road. I've been on the track with a few of the guys that are are road racers. Um, that that do purely just the road racing. Um, and the one guy that I raced against that's obviously absolutely legit is Peter Hickman. Um, we've seen what he's done. McGinnis is great too. I mean, he, he goes out and a lot of the times with McGinnis, he just didn't ever have a superbike ride in, in England when I was around him. So he was going and riding in their national Superstock championship. I think he even did some of that last year on the Ducati, I believe. Um, so he's always staying sharp, but there are some guys that I've raced with. Um, and Michael being one of them, uh, that, that on the track, they're different riders than they are 
obviously than on the streets when they're doing the Isle of Man and Northwest and all that. So, and I look at the guys like we talk about, like you have even in our rundown, the Kyle Wyman's, Herons, Josh Hayes, Brandon Posh. I didn't know Dave Anthony was doing it. That was new to me. So I see you got him there. Tyler O'Hara, uh, DeSalvo. There's, and there's a litany of other guys too mm-hmm. that have got a lot of laps around that place. And, you know, depending on what, you know, I know he's on a Cowie, uh, sounds like, but it's going to be, it's going to be a tough, tough run for him. Um, I feel to even get in the top 10. So we'll see, but it's so cool that he's coming a big name guy coming from over there. That'll be, that'll be great for the, for the races, um, at Daytona. So, man, when is that Greg? It's like a month away, isn't it? A little March 13th, March 13th. Crazy, crazy. Well, as we know, Greg, uh, with this crazy supercross season that we've got going on, they're doing this midweek midweek race stuff. So we had a race last night. We'll go back here real quick and talk about last Saturday night because it was actually, uh, was it round four, Greg? Was it round four of the championship? Yeah, it must have been, right? Yeah. Houston one, two, and three. Houston one, two, and three. So it'd be um, Indy one, Indy one, round four. Yes, yeah, yeah, four of 17. That's correct. Yeah, so... When we look at the official results, and I got to say that it is pretty cool to see right now what uh, Ken Roxon is doing. Obviously, his past with his injuries and so on, he has marched into Indy. And last Saturday night, he goes out and wins the first race of his season. He was the fourth different winner of the series. Obviously, Tomac won one, Webb won one, and we saw Justin Barsha won one, win one uh, to start the season. But Roxon, Tomac, and Webb, where your podium finishers with Cian Cirillo, Zach Osborne, your boy who I'm not sure what's going on with him, but fifth was a really good result for him so far this year, even though I think we all expected a little bit more. Ferrandis, Jason Anderson, another guy struggling who ended up getting hurt for this last Tuesday's race. Savachi Plessinger, Marvin Muscan rounded out the top 10. Now that was last Saturday night, Greg. Last night we had another race, um, obviously Indy again, and it was a, it was a, Another great race, but man, Roxon's on a roll right now, and it looks like he's just kind of got that head and shoulders above everybody else. It was Roxon, Barsha, Tomac, Webb, Plessinger, who I think is doing a really nice job this year. Seeing Cirillo, Zach Osborne comes back to seventh ahead of Savachi, Dylan Frandis, and a guy who's running really strong. Malcolm Stewart crashed with about two minutes to go, but was able to get going again in 10th place. So, when you look at it right now, I mean, it's pretty interesting, G-Dub, because we've seen, and it's been very well documented, what Roxton has gone through uh, over the last, you know, sort of three years, four years. But then it just look like he's coming to his own. He looks really comfortable being up front. It looks like he just knows he's head and shoulders. And it's hard to say that when you got a guy like Eli Tomac in the field. I mean, I don't even know how to explain it with Ken. I guess last night they were saying, like, he hadn't done a back-to-back like a double at, since I think 17 or something. I mean, he just looks, Ken looks dialed, looks comfortable. He had a good race at the beginning with Justin Barsha, who, who impressed definitely in, in last night's race specifically we're talking about. You know, somebody sent me a text. A friend of mine sent me a text from the archery world who's a huge Supercross fan, and he just said, do you think that Tomac has lost a little bit of speed this year? Do You, you know, and I, and I really didn't have an answer for him. It's- I mean... But what, what isn't you, it kind of weird though? In Supercross, it seems like we always have those guys that once a, once a year on some sort of little run, you you, you have those guys that um, just look like they're head and shoulders above everybody else. Like when we went to Utah last year and they did the last seven races, I think in Utah, it just looked like Tomac became really comfortable. He was in a spot where he just felt like he was head and shoulders above everybody else, and it just seemed like it was his year. And Right now, when you look at Roxon, I mean, staying healthy is such a gigantic part of this championship. And so when you really look at it, Greg, I was thinking about this this morning, as I do when we're going to do our podcast. And the one thing that comes to mind about Supercross this year, more than any year, I think that there is. I think that you you truly, truly win this championship this year on your worst night. Mm-hmm. I think that's your bad, your bad, your bad nights right now. So you look at a guy like Barsha, he finished 13th a couple, like what Saturday night, it's going to be, it's going to be hard. And, and we've seen Tomac finish 11th or whatever it was in the first race. Roxon's going to be a lot, much more consistent. I think he's going to be a guy that is, I mean, you look at Cooper Webb, Cooper Webb has won one race this year. And he's a guy that doesn't even hardly get talked about in the championship right now, because I, I, I'm sorry, on Saturday nights, he doesn't really get talked about that much. 
but he's only six points out of the championship because his consistency is there and he hasn't had his really, really bad race hasn't been as bad as the others, right? So yes. I just feel like, you know, you're gonna get down to you're gonna get down there to Daytona and it's kind of Tomac land with a super rough track, gnarly track, but it just seems to me now that Roxon might have something for him. And um, you know, and you gotta stay healthy. With these things happening, you know, we've seen it now with Dean Wilson got a little banged up, but there's no time for these guys to recover. Last night, Jason Anderson got banged up in the 250 class. Obviously, it is so depleted right now. The 250 Forkner's out. Hampshire's out. Jet Lawrence last night looked like, for all intents and purposes, he probably separated his shoulder pretty bad. Who knows what kind of ligament damage he might have in there to where we'll see if he even rides this Saturday in the last Indy race. I mean, it's it's a matter of you got to keep your bike upright. You got to score points. And, and I mean, that's just the big, that's just the big thing right now. So Supercross is really fun to watch. The only, yeah, it is. And the only thing that kind of concerns me about Ken is that Ken Roxon is that in the past where he's been kind of like on this streak, he makes a mistake and he gets hurt. So it just, I don't know. It doesn't feel like that this year. It feels like he's more in control. He's having fun. There's obviously been a shift in his life in terms of, diet, exercise, his family. He has a son now. And so, I don't know. It just feels different for me, for Ken Roxon. The new Honda seems dialed in. Like, they got that thing, considering that they were saying it's basically a an all-new motorcycle, they seem to have yeah. that thing working. So, they I don't do. know. Look, looks good. It's it's fun to watch. The championship for the 450 class is close. <clears throat> uh, yes. You know, Right now, Roxon has 112 points. Cooper Webb, like you're saying, has 99 one point ahead of Tomac, Varsh is in there at 92, Cian Cirillo 87. So yeah, when you go back and look at those those points right now, I mean, the, the lowest total that Roxon has scored so far is 14 points. The lowest total that Cooper Webb has scored is only 14 points. So yeah. managing that, that, those bad nights is a big deal. But Jay, like you're talking about, let's, let, let's talk for a second about this 250 class. And, you know, I can tell you, Colt, uh, Indy won. It was Colt Nichols, Moseman, Joe Shimoda on the box, Jet Lawrence in fourth, Christian Craig, who looked like he would be, you know, the championship favorite early on. He came out firing. Uh, Mitchell Oldenburg, Thomas Doe, Short, Osby, and Harlan. And then when we got to the next night, which was last night, Colt Nichols doubled up again. Christian Craig closed the gap to finish second. Moseman in third, Joe Shimoda in fourth. All right, so I'm not even going to read the rest of the results, Jay, because you want to talk about a decimated field. Yeah. When you look at the results, Colt Nichols, Christian Craig, Moseman, and Joe Shimoda were the only riders who finished on the lead lap, and they finished a lap early. Yeah. Because the, the, did you see that last night? It was a bit I of did. a comedy last night, wasn't it? Yeah, 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 there yeah. Was yeah. Some, there was, was a, some stuff on there that was like, yeah. Like, how do you, how does Oldenburg get back in the main event? Did yeah, so like, I that's did see crazy. I know that they held him out because they thought that he changed the frame or they thought he changed something. That's right. It, that wasn't they legal. thought he changed but the frame and they pulled, held him out of the LCQ. Held him out of the LCQ, but that doesn't mean that he would have automatically got in. He still would have had to race his way in. I mean, to me, it's it, that's that was pretty crazy to see. It it wasn't like he's a former champion or or any of that stuff and. They just let the guy line up, and that you sit there and you think about all the poor bastards that did the last chance qualifier, and they, you know, and then Jet Lawrence pulls out. So you would automatically kind of think, all right, the guy who finished fifth in the LCQ should get promoted to that main event, don't you think? It's a good question. I mean, well, maybe. I mean, let's just say, let's put it this way: let's say the guy in fifth place went to go to the line, and they said, "Oh, you changed your frame," and they sent him back to the hauler before the LCQ. They ain't ringing him back up and saying, oh, yeah, come on up. Jet Lawrence ain't riding. No, I mean, they haven't done it in the past that I know of. I mean, they've just been, if anybody who can't make the main, there's just been 21 riders, 22 riders. I, I don't know. Maybe because I haven't really seen a, a release about it from AMA. Maybe they decided based on Mitchell Odenberg's lap times. You know, that well, he, I, don't, I, 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 I besides mean. Besides all that, besides all that, because, you know, it's super cross. I mean, all that shit doesn't even matter. Like if. You know, you you fall down in the first turn of an LCQ, your night's pretty well done. And there's more races coming up. And it isn't really fair to him either. Let's just be honest. I'm not taking sides here. It's not fair to Oldenburg either, but sometimes just stuff happens and it doesn't work out for the way it does. But I just don't see how they just, they go, oh, Lawrence is out. Bring Oldenburg up. Let him ride. 
<clears throat> even though he didn't get to do it. And to be fair, he was riding great. He was like, what was he fourth or something? And then the bike crapped itself again. So obviously he yeah. was having big problems with that bike all night long. And, um, so he wasn't really, you, able you know to what ride. it reminded me of Jay it reminded me of the NFL in a way. And from the sense of sometimes you see a call that wasn't really the proper call and then you'll see a call go the opposite way, right? And and you'll hear the commentator say, "Well, that was a makeup call." Yes, not, yes you, you yeah. get what I'm saying. Like it almost totally. felt like that for me. Like it was like, "Oh well, we man, we messed up. You didn't change the frame. All right, why don't you go ahead?" I I what I don't know is were they going to allow him to come into the race anyway, and there was just going to be 23 people in the main? Yeah, that's because he, to know too, because he was there, wasn't he? He was there. He was ready yeah. to go. I, I know that Jet Lawrence pulled out, and his his spot was available. His yeah. gate pick was available. So Mitchell inserted there, but it it was it was a weird deal. I think I think it personally deserves an explanation because AMA ultimately is responsible. You know, I, I believe for all that stuff. So yeah. they've got to come out with some type of a statement, in my opinion, and say this is exactly what transpired, and it's within the rules and all that kind of stuff, just to kind of quelch the conversation but it is what it is in that championship though jason like you're talking about i mean for joe shimoda he got tangled up in race two he got our indy race two round five he got tangled up in a first corner incident fell down took him a while to get up and he was able to race but 40 seconds adrift of the leader in fourth place and then you had the likes of all these other really fast guys but finishing a lap down it's it's tough right now on the 250 East Championship. But what it does in our point standings is you still have Colt Nichols, who's healthy, and he's got an 11 point lead over Christian Craig. Moseman looks awfully good. Joe Shimoda's still in the mix. So you have the top four that at the moment are still relatively healthy. We'll see what happens with Jet Lawrence. They have Indianapolis number three. And then I believe there's a big break, isn't it, to Orlando? Or they go Indy yeah. three, Orlando. And then you have Salt Lake City two, where you have the shootout. So they're going to have some time to heal up, and hopefully we'll see a stacked field back in the 250 East class. Yeah, no, it's 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 fun. And, man, you know, it's it's you know we obviously have a lot of fun watching the races because I enjoy watching them. I got Peacock. You got you stole somebody's uh, password last night, didn't you? So you can watch uh, it. No, that's 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 I don't I think that's illegal. Come on. Being involved in TV, you think it's cool to steal people's passwords and stuff? Gee, that's Steal is such a harsh word. Did someone happen to well, accidentally you drop their username and password on the floor and I happened to Pick see it? it? <laughs> well, it was good. I'm glad you got to watch it. And you know why I'm glad you got to watch it. Because uh, with all of our little fantasy supercross, if you're not involved, pulpmotocrossfantasy.com, if you go in there and you look at Greg's Garage Pod, we have our own little list. And it's a great place to talk a little bit of smack and have a little bit of fun. And so far, I am slapping around uncontrollably slapping around greg and chuck asklin and how about this uh, i can't even talk any shit about skip because he's going to catch both of you guys and he didn't even do the first two or three rounds and he didn't even understand how to do it and he's like he's honestly he's he's dominating it he's coming from the back but but he's gonna if he passes you guys oh it's gonna be great it's awful for for, for those that don't know what jason was talking about with the pulp mx fantasy the, so Jason, myself, Chuck Axlin, who is the COO of Moto America and a friend of ours, and Uncle Skip, who is a, a racer Uncle in his Skip. own right, Uncle Skip, <laughs> now now Uncle Golf Skip, yes. Um, the, the the four of us get on a text thread and just trash each other the entire broadcast, super, and even before. Oh, and yeah. and it, it's good because hey, makes it, it's all fun at the beginning. Hey, make sure you get your picks in. Hey, yeah, good luck, guys. Hey, have fun. Good luck. Hey, by the way, this this rider's out. But then as soon as as soon as the picks close, as soon as that first heat race starts and you can't pick anymore, then it's just all it's it's a crush. It goes fest. downhill as far as the friendliness goes. And I moved up, Greg. I had a really bad week. Saturday night, I absolutely got crushed. I went into that and we were all texting each other. And I'm like, this is by far the best team I've ever picked. And of course, only six of my eight riders saw me in events. <laughs> yeah. So it was kind of a weekend like what you have most of the time. Yeah. And uh I ended up going from 26 last night to 13th. The guy I'm trying to catch, because I talked just as much smack with him, Michael Gilbert, he's up to ninth. But I, I railed him in pretty good last night. Kyle Wyman had a big night in 250s. Uh, so he's been moving up as well. Um, you know who had a big night last night? He's going to love that we're talking about him. You know who had a really big night? Who? 
Milwaukee Dougie. Really? He had a big night. He scored 284 points. Oh, he didn't score 246 points? No, who did that? No, I'm joking because all he cares about. This guy loves Valentino Rossi more than, like, obsessed with Valentino. Like, he sleeps in Valentino sheets. He's got a Valentino uh, duvet cover on his comforter. Bikes look like Valley. Underwear, hats. Socks. It's over the top. You know, the other thing that makes it highly disturbing for me is he's an Eagles fan. So, like, I'm like, <laughs> but I'm positive. I'm positive that he's yes. that Valley's got a restraining order against Dougie. He's probably not even allowed into Italy, COVID or not. Because <laughs> you could see him over there at the old Tavila Ranch, like, probably hiding out in the bushes somewhere trying to get Dude. a peak of Valley. You know what I mean? Not Where are you going on vacation, Doug? Uh, uh, I can't uh, tell you. Yeah, I can't yeah. tell you. By yeah. the way, hats off to Hucklebuck Racing, who took yeah, over the lead after – after uh, uh, Indy race one over El Cap, that battle's pretty close for the for the top spot of the championship. One thousand two hundred and one points versus one thousand one hundred ninety three. right there, right there. Yeah, eleven eighty nine. Another uh, good beat. night for for him too, as well. So, yeah. Now, all right. Yeah. So, so my deal at this point is, I, I just want to make it on page one. And what really hurts my feelings is I that think you know, so bad at this. I don't know how you could be so bad. Jeff Wheel from Arai is is like thirty sixth at, at like couple below Masshole, and yep. here I am on page two, but I'm in sixtieth. I mean, the thing is, is we don't have as many people participating this year, and I think part of it has to do with the fact schedule. That schedule, it's it's, it's hard with Pulp MX Fantasy. You have to pick a team every week. It's not like the RM Supercross that we did two years ago, where you if you forget to pick your team from the week before, we'll kind of default into it. Yeah. But I'm 62nd, and I haven't even broken a thousand points yet. I'm at like 956 points, but it's fun. Join us. Kevin's doing okay. You know who else is doing good? Nick Siling. Right? That's my second shout out to him on this thing because he rode really well this weekend. Really? Twenty third. Sponsorship? Did he give you some dough to, to no, talk he about didn't. him? He didn't. He's a good kid though. And by and by the way, just in case, just in case you personally care. Uh, you know, because Uncle Skip started the Rocky Mountain Fantasy thing, and there is money to be won here. We've got a little group of us in that. Uh, you know, I'm not going to say anything about where I'm at, but let's just say that you and Chuck are DFL. Dude, DFL is not even funny. We're we're <laughs> battling it out. We're battling it out for the black jersey. If you don't know what the black jersey so is, go, go Google it. It has to do with the Tour de France. Oh, we literally so are battling it out right now for the black jersey. But Uncle it's, Skip's only one above you guys. I mean, almost all three of you guys are at the very bottom, almost. Quez 43, uh, Andy Bas- Andy Blasquez, he is just, it's like Skip, Andy, you, and Chuck, all in the bottom four. I expect more. Listen, if we knew how to cheat like you cheat, I guess we'd be higher up on the thing. Great. You know what I mean? Huh? Champ- champions come to the front, G-Dub. Come on. <laughs> it's go. been uh, It's been since 2019 <laughs> since I won a national championship. How about you? Oh, my God. Oh, I'm just giving, God. I'm giving other people a chance. <sighs> yeah, that great. was an archery, by the way. Next. Next. Okay, fine. Yeah. All right, let's move on to something different then, Jay. All right? Do it. So I'm bombing around road racing world, I think, last week, one day or whatever, and I see this press release about our good friend Melissa Paris. And Melissa, who is a, a national champion mechanic, uh, she won the 2000 or stock thousand prize with Cameron Peterson last year. She's raced. She's married to a racer oh. and most, and most oh. likely what? Who's she married to? I'm not even saying his name on this right, podcast. Don't do it. He's riding two stroke motocross bikes now. So don't even, it's, don't even talk it's, about it. it's, it's a four time superbike champion, oh, yeah. right? Four time. I think he's got six national champions. Josh Hayes. She never wants to be known as Mrs. Josh Hayes. I don't blame her. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want either. But listen, if you see her, their son Hawk ripping around the paddock or on social media, I think that he's probably on his way to racing. Oh, but yeah. Uh, yeah. So anyway, so I see her in this press release, Jay, and I see that she's involved in a program with Royal Enfield called BTR, which stands for Build, Train, Race. And it has to do with building Royal Enfield motorcycles to go road racing. So, you know, I got on the phone with her and I said, uh... So, Melia, what's going on with you lately? So, last year, I got involved with this really cool project that Royal Enfield had, Build Train Race, and they gave four of us ladies the INT650, and we got to build them into flat track racers on our own. 
we got some training from Johnny Lewis and then we got to race them at a couple AFT rounds, um, like in an exhibition race just against each other. And it was so cool. It was such a cool experience. Um, you know, I've done like a little bit of flat track, but not a ton. So obviously never built a flat track bike like that before. And so I, I learned a ton in the build process and then, it was obviously a lot different than any like 450 dirt tracker I'd ridden before. So it was just, it was pretty wild, but it was a big confidence builder. And I, it was just a really cool experience, honestly. So this year they decided to do the same thing, but with road racing and Brie Poland, the head of marketing asked me if I would be the mentor for all the ladies. And now I am knee deep in the planning stage trying to trying to help guide my my girls in building their race bikes it's pretty cool now i know you jason if you were i mean first of all you're not a woman so this, this you, program is, is based around women but i know that you would not do this because you and tools i mean oh. you're a tool you're a tool but you and tools do not get along well at all and I'm not even going to bring up a windy day recently where you tried to hammer a broken fence. I mean, we just not even going to oh, talk God. about it. Yeah, no, there's no sense to talk about any of that. The thing I talk about the most about Melissa is her passion for the sport. So this is perfect for her. Um, I know myself personally, Melly would rather be on an R1 going and ripping somewhere and racing somewhere because that's her style. She wants to go out and she wants to still race and ride. Um, she's now become a mom and I think coming up for the second time. But, I mean, you look at what she did last year. Uh, she did such a good job with Cam. He gave her so much credit. But most of the time when I see her little stories, you know, that they post at the top of Instagram, it's uh, it's it's usually about Hawk. You know, she's always out running around with him. Or her bike build stuff. I find it really interesting because she's always posting the stuff that she gets, you know, unboxing things. And she's passionate about it. So the ladies that she's getting to do this with are, you know, they're very lucky to have her in their corner. In her, yeah. You know, as far as that goes. Because... She's going to give them a lot of knowledge, um, help them with a lot of different things. So, yeah, it's, it's a great deal. If you're curious about it, a call went out uh, to women interested in being part of the BTR, the Build Train Race. And that call was for women to send submissions to be part of this Royal Enfield program. Uh, they first went to roadracingworld.com and they did like video interviews, but with impromptu questions. And I was curious as to how many submissions they got. We had over 150 girls apply, I think. And Brianne Poland, myself, and Ann Roberts all sat down and we watched every single one of them. And we just had to kind of work at paring it down based on a couple different criteria. Like we wanted people from different walks of life and we wanted to make sure there was nobody who had prior road racing experience. So maybe they'd done some off-road racing or some flat track, or maybe they only rode on the street. Um, Definitely no one who'd like done track days or, or ridden a road race bike before on a racetrack. So yeah, we narrowed it down and then we did like one-on-one -on -one interviews with a bunch of them. And finally we ended up with the seven finalists and now they're stuck with us. <laughs> <laughs> so cool. No, that's great. I mean, in, in fair process, find people that are absolutely brand new to it. I mean, what a better way to do it. It's good. I still think that they should put you on one and just see how you do it. Gets. I, that's where my mind automatically goes. You're dope. Listen, so uh -huh. seven women building Royal Enfields. Okay. But, but I'm not a hundred percent familiar with the bikes that they're working on to turn them into road racers. So I was like, okay, next logical step. Melly, tell me about the bike. Royal Enfield is actually a lot of people are surprised to hear this in the U.S., but they actually produce more motorcycles than any other brand in the world. And they manufacture in India. They're just now making a really big push here in the U.S. And so uh, a couple years ago, they came out with the twins launch. So they had the INT 650 and the GT 650. And they're basically the same like engine chassis, but just kind of different styling and different ergos on them. And so we use the INT650, which is a bit more standard and upright for flat track. And we'll use the GT650, which has more of that classic racer type look. Um, that's what we'll use for road racing. So they're 650 twins. I can tell you they're super cool to ride. The, the first time I rode one, I was like, wow, this thing's like on the one hand, it's really confidence inspiring. So if you're a beginner, it's, it's not intimidating at all. But then even as an advanced rider, 
it's fun. It makes plenty of power. You can have a ton of fun on it. I actually got to ride one. The first time I rode one was at Summit Point around the racetrack. And yeah, it was so silly, but I mean, it's, it's a cool bike. It, it, it's amazing to me, like for the price point, what a good bike it is. It's really cool. And that price point, Jason, is $5,999 for that 650 twin. And it's it's got cafe racing styling. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I mean, anything, you know what? And something that Melly just said that really caught my attention is a bike that's really good for beginners, but when you're an advanced rider, you can get on it and you can still enjoy it a lot. I, I think that there's a lot of motorcycles out there like that now, Greg, where because technology has come such a long way in riding and uh, motorcycle um, and with tires and such that you don't always have to be on the, on the bike that's making 200 horsepower. Like so many people can learn from something like this and learning how to get your bike skills up. But there's a reason why I see a lot of top, top level club racers that were racing big bikes move back down to the lightweight classes because they're fun to ride, less intimidating. They work really well and you can enjoy yourself because you're going to always have somebody to race with and have competition with. So, you know, that, that sounds exactly like what these bikes are going to be. And with my experience in the motorcycle industry, and this this goes back probably 15 years ago when the motorcycle industry started to shift a little bit and recognize that that women who ride have different requirements than men who ride in terms of what they like. And one of the biggest things that women want is a confidence-inspiring motorcycle. And that's why you hear that, I think, from Melissa, because that's what a lot of feedback that she gets from the women that she mentors riding too. So it's really important. You know, if you get on a bike that's too tall or, or too much horsepower, it can intimidate some people right out of riding a motorcycle. Now, Jason, I'm a curious guy, right? It kind of no. rules my life. I like to, yeah, I like to do a lot of research and do all this kind of stuff. So looking at that motorcycle at the, that Royal Enfield and, and that price point, 6,000 bucks, I was sitting there going, well, how do you turn like a budget-minded cafe racer into a road race bike? And what do these women get to do to the GT when they build them? Basically, I gave them all like a list of things that had to be kind of changed and upgraded. So they're obviously all going to get a little bit of body work because they're pretty much naked how they show up. So they'll have a an upper, like a, a tail section cowl, and then a fluid-retaining belly pan. They're going to upgrade the brakes. They're going to upgrade the suspension you know, lose a lot of that street stuff that you don't need. So headlights, taillights, kickstands, things like that will all go away. SNS is providing a whole bunch of cool stuff for it. So all the girls are going to get a cool two-into-one exhaust. They're going to have uh, rear sets, clip-ons. Um, Olin's is pre- providing like a really, really good package. So if the girls want to pick that, they've got a really good dual shock option and, um, a pretty like a full race fork that they could put on it so yeah i mean it's up to them like what they want to do for suspension but i just can't see choosing anything besides the olin's package because it's really good it's what i used on my flat tracker it's affordable and it's such a huge upgrade so um yeah and then upgraded brakes if i didn't mention that and then we're going to convert to 17 inch wheels She's always a racer or a mechanic. She cracks right? me up, man. She is a riot. <laughs> Actually, I, yeah, she cracks me up. But but she knows about all this stuff, and she's educated herself so well about it all. And and her bike builds, like I said, her bike builds are uh, are really, really good. And, you know, there's not a lot of people, Greg, that I would say, you know, when you look at even where we are, we have this discussion all the time being in Southern California. As far as people that really build bikes great, it, it's funny how few people you can actually go to a lot of club racers wonder about where they can go. Melly's I would jump on any one of her bikes any time because I just know she's super thorough. She knows what she's talking about. And, um, what a, this is, this, it's going to be really cool for these girls to, to, to do this with her. Yeah. I'm, I'm really so, pumped I mean, about it. Yeah. yeah Cause she's yeah. just got so much knowledge with all that stuff. And, uh, yeah. when she says something's a big upgrade, you know, it's a big upgrade. Now that's the build part of it, but don't yeah. keep in mind there's still the training and the racing part. That's what I was nope. going to ask about. Yeah. No, the plan for the training thing is we're going to rent out. Um, we haven't decided yet which circuits we're going to do. Two or three training sessions. So it'll probably be two days at a time. We're going to rent the track. I mean, these girls are getting like the full factory treatment. They're going to have the track to themselves. We're not going to throw them out there with a bunch of squids, and we're just going to like work through the steps of kind of showing them how we navigate a racetrack quickly and safely and um 
and then we'll have them do a new racer school before they do their first race. So the final component is racing and it's going to take place at three Moto America rounds this year. So they're going to get to race in front of all the pros and all the people that come to watch them. And it's going to be super cool. Yeah. So exhibition races, you know, great. Yeah. Well, she says she's going to keep them away from all the squids. That squids automatically eliminates you. It eliminates you. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. Where did so, that come from? Any chance I was hoping that we could throw a wig on you or do something where you could go out and do this. We just ruined it. Melly just ruined it. No squids Please. allowed. Please. You know me for 20 years now, Jay. I am a huge advocate <laughs> of, of women riding motorcycles, and I would never. But listen, if you want to see how things go, don't worry about it because Royal Enfield as Melly told me that they're going to have like camera crew all the time at each stage. They've done a, they did a great job with kind of documenting what happened last year with the flat track stuff. So they're going to be doing the same thing. And I'm looking forward to seeing how this whole thing unfolds, especially what these bike builds are going to look like. I think it's going to be cool. No, it's going to be great. I think that, uh, you know, obviously huge thanks for Melly to be on the podcast and, uh, talking about, I think she was on one other time with us before a year or so ago, but, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, this is going to be kind of something fun for her to be able to do. And, I, did she say what three rounds they were going to be at, G-Dub? She told me, but it's not announced yet. Oh, okay. Um, got it. Mm-hmm. But got uh, it, got it. safe to say that uh, for the most part, at least three, uh, two of the three tracks will be uh, tighter, twisty tracks. Like, I, I can tell you this, they're not going to Road America, you know, which yeah. which you could say with a, with a you know, a $6,000 650 twin, it might take you a while to get around Road America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Someplace like, you know, just more turns more you know, i mean i could see like a shorter track even like a jersey and then maybe a pittsburgh or a ridge or somewhere like that yeah where the bikes are uh they're going to be you're turning a little warmer. bit more not big straightaways yeah you're getting, getting warmer yeah yeah, yeah you uh, yeah you have an that's great it's good it's great yeah yeah all right so anything else you want to talk about or we're going to move out of, out of this thing right now no hey melly thanks thanks for coming on the show as usual really appreciate that i've been been uh it's funny because I had a couple notifications come up on my phone while we were sitting here, just going back to a topic that we started the show on and pretty cool. Bobby Fong put out a really, really cool Instagram post. If you're not following Bobby, you should, uh, just welcoming Loris Spaz to the, to the series and, uh, Loris returned that. And then he's also got some really cool photos that does Loris on his page of him standing in the snow with a big American flag said, basically saying he's looking forward to getting over to America. So nah, dude, that is awesome. And yeah, speaking of him on next week's show, look. On next week's show, we're, of course, going to talk about Supercross and fantasy. And then with the announcement that Loris Baz is coming to the U.S., we're going to talk to him about, you know, like all kinds of stuff. And here's a little bit of a preview from the conversation I had with Loris. The first thing was a message, I think, on my email or Instagram. And uh, and then a phone call asking me if I was interested and where I was, if I already signed a contract in World Superbike. Unfortunately, I, I didn't. So at this time, I was um, I just told my manager at this call, and uh, and then we tried to you know to find a little bit more if um, it was uh, a good opportunity, maybe a good bike. That, that that was the first thing we tried to to understand if the bike was able to win. What was the target of the team? But everything been so fast after that. We understood that um, it was. Um, uh, a great team, great bike, and um, Ducati was interesting, uh, interested with this this project, and they they want to win in America. So there you go, you you, you nailed it. I mean, you you nailed it earlier without even hearing that soundbite. So yeah, it's, we'll have a lot cool. more with Loris next week on the show. Yeah, no, he's a good guy. I mean, I've I have the only time I ever saw any dust ups with Loris was when he was with Sykes, and Sykes was whinging about Loris not pulling over for him. If you remember, I think it was the last couple of rounds at Doha or something. And I totally took, I, I took Loris aside on the whole thing. I like the fact that he, you know, a racer was a racer, go out and win the championship, go out and do your work and do what you need to do. But Kawasaki hadn't promised Loris anything. So he was going to be moving on anyways. And it's, it was a funny situation, but um, you know, but that guy, I, there's some things I really, really remember about him. Do you remember the save he had in the last corner at Coda on the MotoGP bike? Oh my God. Yes, I do. That that you like, he's, yeah. Mm-hmm. Big, tall, you know, he's super tall. So six, you know, four. Yeah. He's six, four. And he does the Marquez thing maybe better than Marquez in that particular situation where yeah, yeah. he loses the front. The bike is like gone. Like it looks like it is absolutely 100% crashing and he brings it back. And, uh, 
So there were some things that I remember about him. And I think that when he went from World Superbike to MotoGP, and this will be stuff that will be interesting to talk about him over the – that we'll be able to learn about and talk about over the coming year in Moto America is the transition from World Superbike to MotoGP back to World Superbike. Um, he's kind of that guy that I feel like if he had the right opportunity – over the last two years to really be on a top, top line superbike, he's going to be a title contender. Um, he brought that in with Tenkate. So there'll be a lot to talk with him as we get to know him a little bit better, G-Dub. And I can't wait to ask you this question, Jason, yeah. for next week's podcast. If it rains and we're going racing, should we just hand Baz the trophy? <laughs> well, there's a guy, the Josh Heron's pretty good in the rain. I've seen him do well. Uh, Gagne's good in the rain, too. He's Gagne's good in the rain. Good. Look, I'm just saying, though, Baz, Baz yeah, just, is a rain specialist. I'm not saying unreal. our guys can't nope. compete with him in the rain. I'm not saying that at all, but that, that it's, yeah, he's unreal. So if it rains, that we're going to be able to see the limits of Dunlop tires. Definitely. You're going to be able to see that. And, you know, the couple things that I remember about him, just even talking with you in this podcast that are interesting is when I remember when we did, when I was racing over there, he was riding a super stock ZX-10. Um, and I believe he was like in the top five or four fastest riders on the track. Anytime he was out there against the super bikes, um, you know, world mirror super bikes. So look, that was a long, long time ago. He's gone way, way beyond that now, obviously. And what a welcome addition he'll be And He'll be on the grid and there'll be another Ducati with Kyle Wyman. So it looks like we're going to have two of those, um, you know, red fire breathing bikes on the, on the grid. So uh, I'm still dying to hear where Cam Peterson's going. Um, although I kind of have a pretty good idea where that's going to be. <laughs> um, but but you got, again, I mean, what about Bobby Fong? Bobby won races last year and did well. So I think a series is shaping up to be pretty nice. And um, it's going to be fun to talk about that in the weeks ahead. A look ahead to this weekend and our race calendar. AMA Arena Cross lands in Reno, Nevada. Four races scheduled from the 5th to the 6th. Supercross is at Indianapolis for their third stay. That's Saturday. Heron Hound is in Post, Texas. AMA National Enduro in Sumter, South Carolina. Go watch some racing. Stay safe, of course, people. Still a pandemic going outside, outside, <laughs> But go enjoy some racing. Do your thing. So what, are Jason, you, uh, what are you doing this weekend, G-Dub? Uh, I don't know. Sitting on the couch, eating and playing video games. You got a uh, dog. Yeah. Why don't you go for a jog with your dog, Greg? Uh, 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 excuse, excuse, excuse. Are you still on the fresh and lean program? No sponsor, but we're mentioning them anyways. Yeah. Hashtag no sponsor. Uh, yeah. I uh, still get it for I, a week, right? No, no, is no. You, they're, they're, the fresh and lean stuff is actually really good. Um, you can't eat them all at once. You can't, you got to portion them. <laughs> Santa can. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's a trick. If you put three in the microwave at one time, yeah, no, so you, just, don't do, you don't do two dinners at lunch and two dinners in the evening. You do one at a time. G dub. My personal problem with fresh and lean just comes down to healthy. Uh, nah, it, well, oh. no, no, th- no. There's some of those meals are fantastic. I'm just not a big onion guy, and at all, <laughs> I don't like onions at all. And some of the meals, that, that you know, because people like um, what do you call that flavor or something in their yeah. food? If you put onions on a donut, you'd still eat the donut. Just eat around the onions. <laughs> Just eat the bottom of the donut. I mean, why come are on, you dude. my friend? Why are you my friend? What I, some of the stuff I say is so mean. I apologize. I apologize to the. Li- I really don't. 